Welcome to the IASA Podcast Network. I am Rich Voltz, Associate Director of the Illinois Association of School Administrators. Today, our guest is Dr. Lindsay Hall, Muhammad Seymour School District Superintendent. The topic of this podcast is chronic truancy issues. We share the IASA podcast on Twitter, Facebook, our IASA website, and in our IASA app. You can also find the IASA podcast by subscribing to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other places where you can listen to podcasts. Good morning, Dr. Hall. Please tell our listeners about yourself and your school district. Well, I've been the superintendent of the Muhammad Seymour Schools for just a little bit over a year. Prior to that, I was superintendent in the Morton Schools for five years, Morton, just outside of Peoria. And in my current district, Muhammad Seymour, we have about 3,200 pre-K through 12 learners. They are housed in four different buildings, all attendance centers. And Muhammad itself is located just west of Champaign-Urbana by about 10 miles. So we enjoy proximity to uh, the University of Illinois and Champaign-Urbana. And then part of our school district also takes in a small community called Seymour, uh, which just has a couple hundred residents. So overall, our school district is 90 square miles and, again, um, about 3,200 students. You attended the IASA-led SI Academy and Dashboard Workshop recently. And as a result of those trainings, we have been discussing this concept of chronic truancy. You had a media request concerning your district's chronic absenteeism rate. The reporter referred you to a study completed by the Hamilton Project. The Hamilton Project was launched in April of 2006 as an economic initiative at the Brookings Institution. This organization collected students' absence data from the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights, and the numbers are self-reported by school districts. The information on their website claims Illinois has a 16.3% chronic absentee rate. Upon further investigation, both of us have discovered that the methodology used by each district to calculate the absent rate differs widely. Some districts count all absences, some only count unexcused absences, some count one period missed as a half-day absence, some count student attendance by minutes, and so on. So please tell our listeners what you've discovered concerning the collection of this information for your school district. Well, um, it's been a, a wonderful opportunity to learn more about how attendance is, is calculated in our state. And again, as you mentioned, this was uh, all kind of launched because I, I had a media request asking me about um, the Hamilton Project and our district's chronic, chronic absenteeism rate. So um, I started doing some digging and asking questions, and um, what I found was this, that under the old school funding formula, um, and for the purposes of this discussion, we'll just call it general state aid, um, there was a very specific formula outlined um, by the State Board of Education for how attendance is taken, you know, exactly what a full day is, what a half day is, is related to the number of minutes. And of course, as, as we know, that was a key part of the calculation of general state aid was student attendance. As we shifted toward the evidence-based funding model, 
uh, that new model is based on student enrollment and not attendance. And so it's my understanding um, at this point that the State Board of Education is is working on that um, and coming up with some guidance for school districts because as of right now, there is not um, really a, a large amount of clarity on um, what you know a full day attendance looks like, a half day. Many of us have that programmed into our student databases and we haven't changed that, but it does beg the question, is absenteeism going to be calculated the same way? So um, the, those were questions that I, that I asked. And again, it was a valuable learning experience for me in terms of moving ahead with the evidence-based funding model, but also as it reflects on how attendance is taken. Uh, so again, um, good learning experience in that regard. Well, in response to your inquiry, I just happened to have a professional development committee meeting, and so I asked the members who were present to check the Hamilton Report project and compare it to their own numbers for student attendance. And um, over 90% of the districts, the number was not accurate to what their own uh, records would indicate. Um, I think this also happened with you. If you come to any kind of a reconciliation on your numbers versus the Hamilton Project numbers? I have not, uh, but I, I have a couple of ideas about what, what might be going on. Um, chronic absenteeism is a new, relatively new term for us. What's been calculated and reported in the past has been chronic truancy. And uh, that's been des designated as absences which are unexcused for 10% of the last 180 days. Chronic absenteeism is a big shift toward counting basically all absences uh, in, and then for students who miss 10% 10 per, 10 of the last 180 days for any reason are then calculated as, as chronic absenteeism. So I don't know then if the Hamilton report was looking at chronic absenteeism and for, for I would think for most, if not all, public school districts in Illinois, chronic absenteeism is going to be a higher rate than chronic truancy. Uh, and so therein, therein lies a theory I have about uh, why some of those uh, rates look so high in the Hamilton Project. They certainly were for us higher than I, I would have guessed uh, it would it would be. So that that's my one idea. But I don't I don't have I, what I would call just total clarity on um, on how those numbers were calculated. Yeah. So the state of Illinois, as you point out, is going to be using chronic absenteeism as one of the student success student quality indicators in the calculation of the school designation for the Illinois ESSA plan. The June 2018 school designations did not include this factor, but we have a new designations that are going to be coming out in October 2017, and it will include chronic absenteeism. It will count for 20% for the K-8 designation score and 7.5% for the high school score. 
And as you alluded to, the definition is 10% or more of excused or unexcused, excluding only medical certified home hospital instruction. How, how are you going to predict what this definition will do for your school ratings? It's hard to know in terms of the overall calculation under the student sec, uh, success school quality indicators, because I, I don't know the other pieces of data yet. I don't have them yet in terms of calculating the SSSQ accountability measure. Speaking just in terms of the chronic absenteeism rate, when we throw in every single type of absence, uh, and there's a wide variety, we do have students who go on trips with their families or vacations. Uh, We have students who uh, return to native countries for periods of time. We have students whose parents work at universities and, and go on sabbaticals. We have students who miss a lot of days for chronic illness. I I mean, I can go on and on, obviously. But when we look at all those types of absences, um, it's it's going to create a different picture for us. I'm sure of it. Um, And, you know, so we'll we'll have to strategize about how to respond to that and look at our data and break it down and look at the reasons why students are missing and, uh, um, again, figure out some interventions and support if those are needed and um, move ahead from there. The good news is that if there is some here, um, the chronic absenteeism is going to count for 20% of um, the K-8 designation score. And it's in those early years when we can really work on student absences. It gets more difficult as kiddos get older. Uh, and, and so that's something that we, we know and we can work on um, when kids are younger. We're doing that now. And, uh, but it, it's definitely going to change our picture of how we look at absences and how we respond. So this echo as a requirement to look at least one student success quality indicator, many states are using chronic absenteeism. So it brings up the old adage, what gets counted matters. I suspect this will be true in in this measure as well. And I would just like to refer the administrators who are listening to this podcast to www.hamiltonproject.org to learn more. What are your uh, districts going to do for some strategies that you're thinking about at this time? Well, we, we already have some, some um, tiers of intervention in place and some support. And one thing I really liked about that Hamilton report was that it did refer, refer to tiers of, of intervention. So tier one, just like tier one in an in, in MTSS or RTI framework, uh, are school-wide supports. And um, we, we have those. Um, tier two steps it up a little bit. Uh, to become more personalized, and Tier 3 interventions for attendance, the Hamilton Project recommends, is really focused support, working very closely with the child and their family and probably some other professionals, maybe even the legal system and the regional office of of education. So I really liked uh, that aspect of the Hamilton Project. We, We work very hard with with all of our students who are experiencing 
absence problems. But in particular, we start very early on with our youngest students. Uh, if we notice that absences are accumulating early in the school year, um, I know that our elementary principal in our K-2 building is, is already starting to make contacts. Um, and we have letters that get sent home um, at certain points as well. But that personal communication with families uh, in those young years is vitally important um, so that we can create a positive relationship and know how much we uh, want to see the kids in class every day. Uh, and so that's something that, that we start at a very um, young age. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, again, I would recommend that school administrators would go to that uh, Hamilton Project website to see some of the recommendations that they're that they're making and certainly with enrollment being the factor now versus average daily attendance the way it was in the past and then this idea of using chronic absenteeism as a factor and we all know attending school is extremely important for all students to in order for them to maintain student academic gains and proficiencies Absolutely. And I think that's another, that's another aspect of, of attendance that, that I think we find very important is that a big piece of it is student engagement, uh, is a desire for the students to be there, to have a feeling of, oh, I, you know, I, I don't want to miss class. I want to be there. I want to be, I have connections with my teachers and with other adults in the building. And that even expands further to extracurriculars and uh, creating connections for as many students as possible through our extracurricular program so that if the academic day, for whatever reason, is, is not the way that students connect to schools, then maybe it's through some type of extracurricular program, whether it's athletic, fine arts, clubs. Um, the, the connection and the relationship piece is very difficult to measure uh, but it's also, in my opinion, probably one of the most important things that goes on in, in kids' lives that keep them connected to school and keeps them coming back. One thing I always thought about as a school administrator is I'd see students with an abnormal number of um, days absent, but they still received good grades. And I always thought, no, how can you be absent so much and still receive good grades and uh, then I, I started looking at what some of these schools are doing with competency-based programs where students are progressing at their own rate, and, and then they seem to be really motivated to come to school. Um, for example, Ridgeview High School in the Chicago area, I was talking to the superintendent recently, and she said that they've, they've used a concept called professionalism now in their competency-based instruction. And one of the things in the world of work you need to do is go is be at work. And so they've made that a percentage of the of the scoring for the competency based that you have to be there in order to pass that part of the professionalism for the competency-based grading. And her attendance in her high school has increased uh, tremendously since they've instituted that kind of an approach. Well, that that is fantastic, and th those are the that's the kind of innovative thinking that that we all need to be looking at in in terms of how to engage kids and and 
connect them with our school and also prepare them in the best way possible for whatever it is that they're going to do after high school. It's going to be a wide variety of things, but chances are that um, being present and good attendance is going to be a key factor uh, in the success of, of that student after high school. The question that you brought up of how can students seemingly continue to do well in class as it relates to a letter grade when they have a high number of absences, the question is probably in and of itself an entirely separate topic for another podcast, but it does beg the question of at least asking why is that happening and how, how can it be that attendance is seemingly not necessary? And so shifting uh, away from just simply you know, turning in work to get a grade is something that we all need to be looking at doing. Certainly some high schools have taken great steps in, in doing that uh, and making professionalism or attendance part of, part of competency-based uh, ratings. And your reference to extracurricular activities and how that would motivate students to attend school is also a great one. For example, the idea of having a C in every class in order to play in the athletic event or the, in the music event, or did you have to be in attendance the day of the game or the day of the concert? Um, that certainly seems to be a motivator to some students. And if we can get more of those items accomplished, especially at the middle school and high school level, uh, our attendance would increase. But then sometimes it's also because of many factors that the uh, child may not have control over at home. And uh, we also need to get into that social and emotional side to figure out the best interests of the family to make sure the student attends school. Absolutely. And part of, part of our roles in schools is to establish relationships with students who are experiencing attendance problems and, and other problems and, and have a relationship so that we can learn more about perhaps why things are happening the way they are, why attendance isn't where it should be, and then be able to work with the student and their family to find supports, perhaps from outside agencies, to, to work with that um, and, and figure out what it is that students need to get to school. It could be such a wide variety of factors that until we really um, sit down and, and, again, establish that connection and, and relationship with kids, we're not going to know the best way to provide interventions and supports. And as far as the extracurricular piece goes, we've all known those kids who, you know, the only reason they come to school is to get to the end of the day where they can go do their thing. Uh, that's not, maybe it's not academic, but it's where their talent lies. And, and it, it could be, it can be singing, dancing, wrestling. I mean, we have a, a huge variety of extracurricular opportunities. Uh, and I see that in, in many, many school districts. And sometimes when students are given the opportunity to come forward and, and say, hey, this is a club I'd really like to get started. There's an interest. Uh, those, are, those are often the ways that new groups are, are formed. Uh, but again, without listening to student voice and hearing what they need and figuring out um, how we can make more connections with students, we, we might be missing some kids who we can really pull in and engage with school. And as a little plug, uh, as part of the I conference that is coming up on the Friday of the I conference from 
10 a.m. to noon, uh, I will be hosting a workshop for school administrators and the title of How Do Schools Address the Social and Emotional Needs of Students? And we have five schools that will be telling their story how they're addressing those needs. And that's exactly what we've just been talking about. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Hall, for participating in this podcast. <laughs>